If you're looking for a quick fix, you've come to the wrong place. It doesn't work like that. Communication is such an intensely valuable tool that we need not only in our business, but in our entire, all facets of our life, right? That we don't want a quick fix. We want something that we, is gonna be sustainable for the duration of this business and the other three businesses that you start over the course of your career. Are you a music school owner looking to scale your program from just a handful of teachers to a highly profitable, well-organized and mission-driven company? Well, I'm Nate Shaw, co-founder of the Brooklyn Music Factory. And I'm Daniel Patterson, founder of Grow Your Music Studio. And we're here to help you discover a proven pathway to sustainable growth in your music school. So get ready to take your passion for music education and scale it to a seven-figure music school. Hey, welcome back to the Seven Figure Music School podcast. I'm Daniel. I'm here with Nate. And today we're going to answer a question that I heard from a coaching client of mine recently. And it was an interestingly phrased question, Nate. I'm just going to tell it to you now. Should nagging my team be part of my job? So the question that we're going to tackle today, is nagging your team an official part of your job as a school owner? Now, I was kind of fascinated by this question. Um, so I reached out to a number of other school owners, asked for their input, and it seems as if this client of mine isn't alone. There is a lot of frustration around this team communication piece. People mm. feel as if, you know, I, I put these things out there, I send emails, I send texts. If we use a tool like Slack, I put things in Slack and I just can't seem to get people to respond to me in a timely manner. What do I do with this? Uh, should I hand down punishments as the owner and CEO of my school? Should I, you know, what do I do? Like, there's information I need to do my job and run this business and I can't seem to get my team to participate in that communication. So that's really the topic of the episode today. But certainly for today, we're going to cover this high level view of what should we expect from our team um, and I think it's going to allow people in the audience to think deeply about their team, how they communicate, the example mm. they're setting, um, and how they can create an environment that helps their team and assist their team in delivering on, you know, the owner's promise to their clients. So nice. how's that sound, Nate? Are you ready to jump into it? Uh, ready to hear the story? I want to kind of weave for you first. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And I love that, that the person asking was like, is nagging? Because nagging is such a great word. It's got so many connotations. So, so yeah, let me, let's hear the story behind nagging. And is it a part of my job? Okay. So had a client I spoke to probably about a month ago. And there was a, a specific situation that had come up where uh, this owner uh, uses Slack which is a communication, it's kind of a workplace communication tool. I feel it's better than text. We use Slack. Nate, I know you use Slack. I think this is a common enough, I think this software is so well known that we probably don't need to explain what it is, but it's essentially kind of a workplace communication tool where you can kind of talk in real time or leave messages for, for team members. So anyway, this client of mine had put a, a question that they needed a response on in Slack and... I think it given the um, the team, which was about 20 teachers, mm. um, a size. week to respond to this. And after a couple days, only a few, like I think only about 30% of people had 
responded to this, even though it had been very clearly stated, hey, I need input on this. And I think even by the end of that week, or I could be conflating two different stories, but essentially this person had to really, <laughs> um, really chase and hound these folks to actually give the input that was needed. Um, it also reminds me of another client where they had, um, they literally ha- had asked their team, this was part of the job description. And this was from several years ago, but I've never forgotten the story where, so, so that the studio could bill their students correctly. They needed their teaching team to turn in lesson reports on how many lessons had actually been attended in the previous month. Mm. And they could not get their teaching team to turn in these lesson reports. And so it was causing customer service issues because the owner was on a fairly regular basis billing most of their studio's clients wrong, like at 200 kids in this school because she couldn't get timely reports from her teaching team. So communication issues, I think you hear Nate kind of these stories. And, and so really the first question I would ask you, I'm just going to make it really broad, really general. What do you make of this? Is this just the way it's going to be? Do we have to accept this? What are you hearing here? Maybe give me some, initial thoughts on everything I'm talking about or that we're talking about. Yeah. It's a great question is nagging part of my job because you could just reframe it is getting communication. Correct. Part of my job. Well, yeah. I mean, communication is one of the most foundational pieces we have to building team. Um, And so when I hear a story like this, I always go to this sort of um, I always try to ask a series of questions around it, which is like, okay, first of all, um, what is the, what is the, uh, you know, what is the purpose of this communication? In other words, you gave a great example around, um, this manual reports that teachers had to give. Did I teach a lesson or I didn't? The consequences of that are that families get billed incorrectly. And everybody here knows that money is one of the like the number one triggers for our families. A lot of emotion around that topic. Yeah, there's tons of emotion. Just think about how you're communicating with your partner or spouse around money. And everybody listening knows like, oh, whoa, that can definitely be a trigger. So anyways, the first thing I ask myself is just like, okay, wait a minute. In this story, what was the purpose? So I think you said that they were asking their teachers for feedback um, on on, on like an upcoming recital or something like that. Yeah. Right? So then I'm asking myself, all right, so what exactly does this founder need from these teachers that she or he doesn't have currently? In other words, why do these why are these teachers the bottleneck in getting uh, the next level of this recital done? So now it's like, okay, so what kind of information do you need back in order for this thing to move forward, whatever the project is, whatever the outcome is? Um, the next question I'd ask is just sort of why, like, why are you asking these people? Why do you need everybody to respond in order for that to happen? And how are you asking them? For example, a manual report, going back to your second story, a manual report from a series of teachers is probably the one of the most high effort ways to get information. 
Like my sister is in sales. She's in medical. She does medical simulation sales and she's amazing at it. And you want to know the one piece of the job she can't stand is filling out her sales reports. (laughs) (laughs) She, she loathes that part of it. And yet what she's so good at is traveling the country and building relationships with doctors who train other doctors and using simulation tools. She loves that piece. That's just like me as a teacher. I love being in this space, developing relationships with my students that will lead to long term um, retention and benefit to the family and the school. Right. But if but guess what part is hard for me? is that reconciling of all my lesson reports at the end of the day. It's still hard. So I would ask that follow-up question is like, what's the right method to get the information you need? Right. So it's a little bit of like, a, like um, who are you asking? Why are you asking them? How are you asking them? What exactly do you need from them, i.e. that's linked to the outcome, right? The purpose of the what. And then finally, Like how, what's the tool you're using, right? So it's kind of like just going through this. I mean, my partner's always saying this. She's like, who, what, when, how, why? Like ask these things as your follow-up. Okay. So when we're talking about methodology, like let's start there as we dig into communication. So what I feel like I'm hearing you say is that this isn't as cut and dried as just, okay, the job description says you must do this. So now you must do that. Yeah, you, 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 uh, the mindset shift that I hope our listeners are picking up over the, you know, wh- what are we on? Like 52 or three or whatever a number of episodes. 54 we're today. We're on 54. Yeah. yeah, we're crushing it. We're at 54. The mindset shift that I hope our listeners are getting is that, oh, yeah, it's always more nuanced. Hmm. There's always a nuanced answer to this. Um, and, that the idea of like sort of um, the stick versus the carrot is generally always the wrong question to ask. Is there, are we reprimanding them for not following through on the thing I demand of you? This is not how we build team, right? Okay. So it's, yes, it is definitely um, a bit more nuanced as we'll get into. I feel like the larger principle that you're drawing out there is that, um, in the same way that some meetings should be an email, maybe in these issues where people are having communication issues, maybe an email should have been a meeting. Mm, yes. Like, so, like maybe right. if something is so important, if something is so important to you that you want to interrupt the work of the team and what their highest mission is for the school, which for a teacher would be delivering on the school's promise, actually ed- educating the student. If you're going Mm -hmm. to interrupt them from that core job that they have, the thing that they're most focused on, that perhaps, perhaps the mode of communication, which I think you referenced before, is, is, is wrong. Like, in other words, if this is an issue that keeps coming up over and over and over and over again, maybe, maybe it's not the teacher, maybe it's the mode of communication that's actually inappropriate for the job that you're trying to uh, fulfill with that communication. Do I feel like I hear you saying that? Could you maybe push back or elaborate? Yeah, absolutely. That's the how are you communicating? So it's not necessarily always going to be an either or it's not do this and don't do that. Okay. Um, but a perfect example is, uh, well, let me just, let me actually, 
let me give you the modes of communication you have. Okay. Right? Just so to be clear, you have an in-person meeting. Okay. You have an online meeting. Dig it? You have a phone call or text. We'll put those two in the same bucket. Right? Okay. You have a chat tool like Slack. You have your internal school uh, communication tool, right? Um, And then you have like serendipitous meetings. You're walking down the hallway and you bump into a teacher. Okay. So review those in your mind. Are you think, first of all, are you categorizing all the ways that you can connect and communicate with your team? Hmm. Because if you're not doing that, that's step one. Be like, oh, wait, when I run into my teachers passing in the hallway, what's that opportunity? Hmm. When I actually book an in-person meeting, which universally is quite difficult for schools to pull off, and especially initially as they're building culture, is to get a percentage of people to show up in person. When I have that precious opportunity what am I actually taking advantage of in that moment? And then, of course, like online meetings now are so, um, they're just so accepted now, right? But, uh, and let me, and then finally, of course, you have the phone. Ah, mm-hmm. imagine calling your teachers. Imagine <laughs> how radical a concept is that? Well, yes. You want to know when we did that, Daniel? Yesterday in our emergency time off Slack channel. We had a a teacher that's been with us forever who had a death in the family. And she's like, I'm not making it. I'm out now. I I can't even help find a coverage. Mm. Of course she can't help find coverage. We would never ask her to try to cover her lessons in that concept. So guess what we did? Text, phone. We did exactly what we needed to do with three hours notice to make sure that we had coverage for her and that she never had to think about a thing. Right? Right. So there's times when you have to use a very specific mode of communication. And back to the songwriting party, just to give you our modes, we have one mode, which is we're organizing, we're organizing all of the content that people can reference in spreadsheets. So there's always something that you could always click on and be like, oh, I'm going to learn a little bit more about this thing. Of course, we all know, by the way, as listeners, like if you're training teachers or staff to this idea, you're also creating a little video walkthrough and that kind of thing. So any teacher could be like, hey, I don't really know how to add a student to the gig or the recital. Well, here's your little video tutorial. They can always click on something. Mm-hmm. So that exists. And that oftentimes just we just have Slack channels that are dedicated to each party or each recital. And mm-hmm. we post those things over and over in those channels. But that's kind of low. That's like you're not going to get a high click-through rate on that. You're not going to get a lot of engagement in that, right? Mm. So that, But that's one mode of communication. But guess what? This Friday is our once-a-month faculty um, three-hour training meeting. And that's the one in-person meeting where we drive all of our traffic. We get all of our teachers to try to show up to that, right? And Mm. in that three-hour in-person meeting is where we tackle some of the, the deepest questions we have. I don't know about you, but I didn't get an owner's manual when I started my music school. And I wasted a lot of time on trial and error and making things up as I went along. But you don't have to do that. Nate and I are building a library of resources and tools exclusively for fans of this podcast. 
Go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS and sign up to receive podcast updates, free resources, and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. That's growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS. And we look forward to answering your questions. You know, I made a choice in framing this episode through a couple stories. And now you've contributed to this. And I think there are things that can be drawn from what you've said. But Nate, I think to kind of end this, to close it out, let's actually make the connections. Because there mm. might someone, there might be someone listening to this podcast and thinking, okay, that's an interesting story. Uh, how does that apply to the fact that I have a half dozen piano teachers that just seem to hate me? <laughs> if, if I judge by how much they're communicating with me. So we've talked about mode. We've talked about, well, you know the list better than I do. We've talked about these things. And I feel like if we could draw some specific takeaways for people so that we can answer that question of, do I have to nag, nag folks? Um, where would be a good place to start with that where maybe we could lay down some rules or some best mm. practices or things like that? And that's mm. kind of how we close out the episode. Thoughts? Where would you start with that? So let's get to this piece right here. Um, you are in a role and responsibility as a builder of team or a founder of your school to train your teachers and staff to the culture of your program. Okay. So the, the, the flip on this story or the way I would, the way I would frame this story is I want to learn where the opportunity lies. Who's going to, who's communicating efficiently and appropriately and who's really struggling with communication. Hmm. By the way, if you need an answer within seven days from something, you better have trained those people to that rhythm of communication. Hmm. In other words, um, these are busy teachers whose number one purpose is, as you put earlier, delivering on the promise, serving this student in the studio, building lasting relationships, right? Um, and so if you're going to disrupt, if you're going to interrupt that flow from them to ask for more work, i.e., I need your brain on this idea, well, then they need to know that that's part of the job. And they need to have been trained to the idea that's, that either weekly or monthly or seasonally, there's going to be a communication expectation. Now, this all sort of sounds like um, just more work. You're like, ah, dude, but that, that's even more work that I have to do. I also have to like reconcile my QuickBooks and get everybody paid and nobody's really grateful. And now I have to train them <laughs> in how to communicate. Well, this is, first of all, this is the gig you signed up for, right? If you want to run an organization, it's not like it's unique to music schools. It's the same down the street at the nonprofit. It's hmm. the same up the street at the, at the restaurant. They're running into all the exact same questions we're asking here. Um, so that's the job we've signed up for. But what I would say is that, Daniel, is that um, you are going to have some communicators that are going to come right out of the right out of the gate communicating well. Right? You are going to have others that are really going to need support for them to learn new habits. That's the bottom line. At hmm. BMF, we will we will get we will get teachers that have come from another environment. In other words, like we have a new teacher that just started. Um, 
there's all kinds of training opportunities for this teacher right now, right? She doesn't have tons of years of teaching experience, um, is younger and is, you know, is learning how to communicate with parents, right? Those things are tricky, but she did come from being an executive assistant at a nonprofit. So guess what piece is totally in place? Hmm. She's hyper-organized. She's a really efficient communicator. You ne- you, you're, she's on top of all of those things. So not so much training needed there for that person. Not much training needed there. However, there's a bunch of training needed elsewhere. And we're all, we're all the whole team's transparent about it. It's not like it's just another training opportunity. Um, hmm. So it feels a little bit like a cop out to your question. You're like, but they're not doing it. But like so much of what we're trying to build here around team requires an investment in getting our team to understand what that consistent communication actually does. At BMF, one of our core values is consistent communication to gain trust. Communicate consistently to gain trust. And that is internal as much as it is external with families. Mm-hmm. Right? And I be, I, it's, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say our whole team is just miraculously communicating beautifully every week because it's not like that. We have a couple people where we're like, this is going to take some effort to train them. But it's only a couple. But I'd say it's in the 20% range. Uh, okay. Yeah, 10, 10 to 20% need some real effort. And the last thing I'll say, which is nobody loves to hear this, but there are people that we've unhired because they've never really lived up to that core value. Hmm. We've just been like, yeah, so. So then what did you do? to get that 80% participation rate, because I imagine, again, because we did kind of a massive poll before we did this, and I got a lot of questions and feedback from folks. And we didn't mention this, but we're actually doing this podcast live. Uh, So we have an audience here and that sort of thing. And those folks gave a a bunch of good uh, questions and scenarios that we kind of reacted to as we were thinking about this episode. I imagine a lot of people would be like, 80%. That would be like a dream. I, I would love that. Mm. Nate, what did you do to get to that point? And I mean, I'll even say before I ask you that, like, I, I really resonate with what you're talking about in terms of the training piece because one of the first things I do when I'm hiring someone onto my team is I I talk about expectations and I and, and I ask if they can agree with a certain number of things prior to hiring, like, hey, this is how we do things around here. Um, do you think there would be an issue with that? And I maybe don't ask it so directly. It's a little more indirect so that I can feel feel them out and hear what they think about. So I, like, I might put a hypothetical scenario out there and ask them to give me their honest thoughts. And I've actually had people honestly say like, uh, oh yeah, I you know I don't do that sort of thing. Or I'll ask, have in a previous job, have you have you um, seen this scenario? And I will. I'm actually talking about the job they're coming into. But I, oh yeah, you know it was really. Yeah, I literally totally. have had people say, oh, it was so annoying. My boss had me do this or that. And I'm like, oh okay, so you're just off the short list now. Um, and 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 the point I'm getting at is that I set the expectations before hiring. And then, and this is to the training piece, we have a training series that people go through anytime I hire like a, 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 a what I'll call like a, a core team member. We have a lot of external team members, like people that are just like contractors, they do some work, but they're not core to our team. 
um, those core people are hyper communicative because I kind of set that expectation before. And it's something I need, especially since we're distributed. Um, I only have one team member that lives in, uh, in my city mm. out of about a dozen. Um, so they're hyper communicative. They go through a training series. They're like taught how to use these tools. They're, they're ta- kind of taught the expectation. And then for me, at least, there is um, a lot of feedback that I give people up front to sort, quote unquote sort of correct behavior, if you will. Um, I think we haven't even touched on like the appropriate communication channel aspect of this topic. I see mm. that we're getting a little bit farther on. I mean, I, I would I'd really love to get that covered in this episode, but maybe before we jump to that, what have you done at BMF to get that communication piece to uh, a place where you're I don't even know what word you'd put on it. Satisfied, happy, mm. um, you're, you're content. Like, what have you done? What yeah, do you so, think? What are some juicy nuggets, as you say, that you would yeah. give people? Like, how do you get, how do you get your team to that point? I'm going to give you three, and I'm going to restate what you just said because you highlighted something that's so important that it needs to be said over and over and over and over, which is in the hiring process, we talk a lot about hiring. We talk about getting your hiring funnel right. We talk about how to filter out people that are really good values and purpose fits, et cetera. Um, In the hiring, you set it. You set up expectations. You just state out loud. We literally, in the offer sheet, it says your number one one responsibility is to communicate consistently. It's like the number one thing. And we say send lesson reports within 24 hours. You know, attend these meetings. Da-da-da-da-da. Okay. Second, you pointed out, you train to the tools. You have to actually have a training. Like we literally, when we when we adopted Slack, Daniel, I was telling you this before, we we spent three months training the team to move off of email and text onto Slack. Hmm. It, it took months to get everyone to be like, and literally our director of ops at that time, Kai was like, guys, on December 1st, we're never answering another email. <laughs> I mm. mean, of course, it wasn't really li- that literal, but we were like, that's what he said. He said it out loud. Four weeks to no more email communication internally. Three weeks. He would literally <laughs> count down. What I feel like I hear you saying there is that, let's go back to the example that kicked all this off. It isn't just about what are, what is a tactic I can use to get people to answer this recital survey this week in the next seven days. It's yeah, exactly. in the nope. preparation up to that. And if you're telling me that it took three months to get your team of at the time, I think was around 30. Um, if it took three months to get everybody on board that, it sounds like there was probably a lot of reminders, a lot of uh, um, a fair amount, you know, a fair amount of time in you're all team meetings where you're reminding about that. You're sending out communications about that. Like that, that is the thing that created the result that you wanted. Yes. That it was almost yeah. advertising. You're almost marketing to your own team. This is how we do communication around here. And you're actually having to spend time yes. explaining to everyone what the expectations are as opposed to just having the expectation. Is that bingo? And 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 do what I love you said is I'm marketing to my team, you know, the opportunity of using this method. Mm-hmm. And I will literally do it this Friday at training. 
We will do a, um, we will do, again, this is going to get to me. You asked for three nuggets. I'm giving you my second nugget right now. Okay. And I'm going to tie it into to your insight there, which is the second nugget is if you want to hear from people, then you need to truly value their opinion. You need to ask them for their opinion and you need to say how grateful you are that they gave you their feedback, right? And so in training this Friday, we will, for example, we will open our training by doing a speed song. We'll break up the faculty into three different bands. We will give them one of our uh, songwriting templates that they're literally teaching to right now. They will have 15 minutes to collaborate as teachers, write an original song, and then they will perform it for the rest of the team. Wow. Right? So why are we doing that? Well, it should be pretty obvious to our listeners. That's literally our purpose. We say we've built a method around collaborative songwriting. So if we as teachers can't actually do it in 15 minutes and write a speed song, then like, how are we supposed to expect our teachers? Anyway, so it's a great little moment of validating our methods and our hmm. purpose. However, here's, the little, here's that piece you just touched on. After everyone performs for one another, of course, it's like it really builds spirit, culture. People are like just psyched to hear each other play. Da, 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 da. What I do is I, I instead of going round table, let's all talk about it. I say, hey, everybody, I'd like you to put in our training channel. This is the Slack channel. I'd like you guys to put three things or three insights you had as a participant in there. Let's take five minutes. And I set a timer and I give everyone quiet time to literally write hmm. in the Slack channel, which is all about, which is where we've been communicating about anything about training and leveling up. And I have everybody share three insights that they did in the Slack channel. Now dig this next move. Then I turn to, I turn to the team and I say, hey, Sienna, can you find somebody else's insight that really just was a zinger for you where you're like, wow, I love what so-and-so said. And then I ask her to share that, read it out loud and say why. So this gets to our third most important nugget around developing a culture of communication, which is first of all, ask your team for their valuable, precious opinion, and then broadcast it. Share often hmm. with everybody else how valuable this teacher's insight was. Because we hmm. cannot view our team as some sort of like um, set of employees that are all supposed to march in order and do what are told and show up and fill out their sales reports on time every time. Right? Because that's not what any of us are. Hmm. We just aren't that. We're just people that have are connected underneath the roof of Brooklyn Music Factory or your school with a common set of values and purpose. And if we learn how to communicate together and help one another towards realizing that, then you will find that your communication problems, they never disappear. We're, Daniel, you and I are not saying they're just going to magically go away. You're never going to hit like 100% feedback from everyone all the time. Of course, in the, in the moment of real-time meeting, I'm going to get 100% input from everybody on Friday. But that's because we all feel accountable to one another in a, in a space together, right? But if we develop 
a model of how we communicate and then we celebrate the fact that we are in communicating consistently with a likelihood that we'll hit 80%, 60, 70, 80% of our team responding in a timely manner, it's going to begin to go up. You're going to start to see results. And you and I talk about this all the time, Daniel. We talk about it with our, you know, with the schools that we work with, right? Um, Coaching, which is that if you're looking for a quick fix, you've come to the wrong place. Hmm. It doesn't work like that, right? Communication is such an intensely valuable tool that we need not only in our business, but in our entire, all facets of our life, right? That we don't want a quick fix. We want something that is going to be sustainable for the duration of this business and the other three businesses that you start over the course of your career, right? Um, So I'd say that that's my third and final nugget, which is that you hear valuable shares from your teachers and your team, and you broadcast those often. That, I believe, probably is the most important nugget of wisdom that I've learned over my time Mm. here, which is just honor people's input mm. often. I think I have a few things I would add on to what you're saying. Um, I, cause I, I think it. those are some practical tips. I think there's a few that I would add in here now. I know that, as I said earlier, this is more of a Nate episode, but there's a few things that I feel like can be drawn out from stuff that you said that because right. you were giving so many things, like we almost like skated over them without stopping along the, along the lines of what I said earlier of the, Communication is marketing. It's all marketing. Hmm. Yeah. A marketing mentor of mine, and I'm going to botch this quote, but he said something to the effect of, here's how, here's how you do good marketing. Tell people you're going to tell them something. Tell them what you're going to tell them. Then tell them. Then tell them what you told them. Then tell you how important what you told them was. Don't yeah. just, but what most people do in marketing is just tell them, oh, I told them everybody sign up now for my product or for lessons or this sort of thing. But he said, people aren't nearly as clued in to what you think is important. They're not, not clued in. They're not nearly as tuned in as to what yeah. you think is important. As They don't see it as important as you. So you have to pre-present and pre-present and then present and then post-present, post-present. I think the same thing goes with a team. Uh, you know, they're a little more connected to us, but even then, you know, they've got busy lives. Uh, they yeah. have family issues that come up like with this teacher that posted the emergency channel for you. And so, you know, going back to maybe the, um, the other example I gave earlier on in the episode with uh, the people who wouldn't file the reports on time. I think that is a situation where you, there's probably more communication need around that. And there might need to be a mode change into yeah, how, yeah. or, or a motivation change, which I think goes to the second point. So to wrap the first one up, um, just being more prepared and, and honestly over communicating. Now I know the mm-hmm. goal of this episode was like, Oh, we don't want you to have to nag your teachers anymore. And that right there, even that choice of words is kind of interesting I just, I just call it being over communicative. Um, I think it's kind of a mindset shift to think, yeah, well, instead of thinking it's nagging, it's like, actually, I'm just honoring the value of this thing that I'm wanting them to participate in so much that I am going to 
over communicate about this or in what it really is, is just communicate effectively about this thing goes back to the comment you made earlier about um, not wordsmithing, but presenting the value of it, talking about it far in advance. So maybe before we put the recital survey out there, maybe in the previous three weeks, we're reminding people that the recital survey is coming up. Here's why it's so important. Here's how it's going to help the students do really well at the recital, like that sort of thing. And so then once the survey comes up there, the every teacher's reticulator, reticular activating system is like all clued into like, oh yeah, that's that thing. We need to yeah. get on that. And then maybe that week is capped off by all the people who had not yet participated. Maybe there's an all staff meeting where most people are attending. And it's like, hey, if you haven't filled it out, we're going to give 15 minutes here at the end to fill this thing out so that we, we were ready to go for the recital that's, that's three months out from now, not, you know, three weeks out from now, which, you know, that's me just adding the story. That wasn't the case. But um, anyway, so that, that's kind of how I would view that. I think there's an intentionality I have in how I communicate to people on team um, and just making sure like, is this the right way to do this? And then am I, am I getting the result that I want from this? And if I don't, then I need to evaluate either how I'm doing it or the mode that I'm using. I want to quote you in the prep for this episode. I, I, I mentioned this to you, Nate. Um, there's a guy named Adam, Adam Robinson. He went to Oxford. He founded the Princeton review uh, he's a chess master and now he's a business strategist. He's a little bit older now. Um, and he says, uh, the world always makes sense. We just don't understand it. Um, hmm, yeah. What surprise tells you is that your model of the world is incorrect. And when your model of the world is incorrect, you need to figure out why. When you catch yourself saying that doesn't make sense, that shouldn't happen. I didn't expect that. That's a sign that you're surprised. That's your cue to pay attention. Surprises are a clue that you're missing something. Dive in and figure out what. Smart, smart man. And I would just say that, that in those areas where I keep banging my head against the wall, it's like, okay, this this is ineffective. And maybe I'll I'll maybe cap off my comments by revisiting that second story I said mm. at the beginning. So this is the person that couldn't get the lesson reports filed time in a timely way. This was a coaching client of mine, I think back in 2017 or 2018 and had her lay out the whole situation for me. And I said, so this is the information you need. And this is pretty critical. Like it's important that you bill your customers correctly. Yeah. And she was at her wits end. She couldn't figure out how to get this done. And um, simple solution. I said, here's what you need to do. How do your teachers get paid? I asked her to describe it for me. And she said, well, they turn in their hours. Similarly yeah. to how they might turn in their lesson report hours. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I I mean, I didn't actually have to. I actually didn't even have to go away and think about this. I just said this live on the call with her because it was one on one. I said, here's what you do. You, you modify that form where they submit their hours and you modify it so that they they have to submit their lesson hours simultaneously and it's required. Mm -hmm. They can't skip it and do it later. And so that mm -hmm. first month, and so she announced this, she said, Hey, um, fill out the form like usual. There's a few more questions on there. And um, once you, once you fill that out, um, we'll be able to issue your pay to you. Yes, that's exactly what we do. Yeah. 100% participation in less than one month. <laughs> and 
Um, and, 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 and they were all on time. And so all I'm saying is, is that uh, um, the world always makes sense. We just understand it. She began to understand, oh, I'm asking something that people kind of don't really want to do. Like it is a little bit time consuming, but they're very motivated to get paid. So like seeing these two things and connecting them together, she really, I mean, and I followed up with her. She never had a problem with it after that. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.